0: It's been interesting because you were saying like all these companies and people are sort of getting on the bandwagon without the actual intention behind and truly at the core, in the marrow of the decision making. And then when you're having conversations, if you ask a question, if, you know, they're looking at you like, just be happy to be here and enjoy the girl. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. I see what this is, all right. this, this It was nice meeting you. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Acting Up, the podcast that dives deep into the world of TV and film that highlights our people, our communities, and our stories. This week, we're speaking with Nicole Behar, star of Amazon's new series, Solos. If you live in LA, you've probably seen billboards up all over the city for this new project from Amazon, Solos. The premise is so weird, you guys, like I don't even really know how to summarize it for you, but it's a short anthology series with some of the biggest names in Hollywood taking on pretty much like 30-ish minute monologues. Each episode is basically a one-man show from the likes of Morgan Freeman, Anne Hathaway, Uzo Aduba, Helen Mirren, Anthony Mackey, Constance Wu. Dan Stevens, and of course, the lovely Nicole Beharie, who I am so glad was willing to join us today on Acting Up to tell us all about this new project, as well as her experience navigating Hollywood as a Black woman and starring in one of my favorite films of last year, Miss Juneteenth. Hi, Nicole. Hey. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for agreeing to be a guest on Acting Up. Acting Up is really an opportunity for me to talk to, you know, the likes of you. I think the work that you're doing, the roles that you're selecting are ones that really bring something to the culture and to the community. And I think that it's so important for our community to understand the people behind the art that they're seeing because Hollywood has such a huge role in representing us in the way that other people see us, in the way that we see ourselves. And that can be a grind. And I think that it's so crucial in this time where there's all these declarations from all these studios, all of these brands committing to change, but like, what does that actually mean? How do we measure it? How do we track it? And how do we actually benefit From it, if it even exists. Mm -hmm. So nothing heavy. (laughs) 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 Just throw talk. Where do you want to start? I mean, I would be remiss. Of course, I want to know all about this insane project solos, but I'd be remiss not to revisit what was hands down my favorite project last year—that was Miss Juneteenth. Oh, awesome! Thank Uh, you. I loved it so much. I got to talk to you about it a little bit, but it was the, my favorite thing I saw at Sundance. And it was the thing that I was holding out hope for when Oscar nominations rolled around. Like I thought oh. there might be a chance that they would have seen what I saw, which was, I thought, one of the strongest performances from an actress of the year. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. It's very kind of you. That was a great opportunity. You know, it was just one of those things where agents sends the script. And then you're like, I really like this. You're going to be doing it for free, basically? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Like, going down to Texas. But I just knew, I could tell from talking to Channing, like, she knew what she was doing. She had a very clear vision. And in general, I think sometimes when I step into things, I care about the character more than the filmmaker sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, Like, it's your job to protect or to understand that story and to deliver it. But I think she knew more about that environment and who everyone was. So it's one of the times I feel like I was in the hands of someone who was more informed and that was fun in a way, because you could kind of let go. And at first it was a bit jarring me. It was like, okay, so it's this, it's not that sure, but it's, it's kind of a great collaboration having that opportunity.
1: Yeah. And you know, you mentioned Channing who was behind this project in a year where I felt like there was actually quite a few more than usual selections from black women
0: filmmakers
1: that year. And they really, I think, made an impression on just how important it is to have black women telling our stories on screen. And the thing about Miss Juneteenth that got me is that there was no huge climax of like drama of a, of tragedy or of shock. It was so much one of those beautiful, lovely little slice of life stories that felt authentic, that I could relate to as a mother, as a daughter. And that's just so unusual to see. So when we get someone like you to take that on, it's a blessing, but we know there's a cost to that, which is like, you kind of joked about, like y'all don't get paid for this stuff. No, but you love it. You know?
0: Yeah. I don't really know what to add to that. You said it. (laughs) said it. I guess the thing I could add is some of it was happenstance because of the pandemic, right? Because they didn't release all the huge movies that they, you know, normally would have released. So there was an opportunity for people who are streaming and for smaller productions and indies and all those sort of things to really find their audience, you know? Yes. I feel like Juneteenth had like a grassroots kind of build in a way where nobody was really checking for us, but critics and then people were sort of. I guess interested. Yeah, and they were pushing it along, and I was like, "What's happening? Oh, people are wow! Like, what's? It's not like we were, you know, people campaign for these things, you know. Yes, um, we 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 weren't really expecting like that. so. Yeah, you know, just even being nominated for the indie spirits, and you know, actually winning a Gotham, and all like all those things are mind blowing to me. Yeah. <laughs> that definitely wasn't something I was thinking about while we were making this little movie in Texas, Of course,
1: of course. But then you have those kind of sleeper indies that somehow get noticed, you know, and get the acclaim. And I had Devon Franklin on a few weeks ago talking about the Uh Oscars and he agreed with me. He was like, yo, me too. Like in my, you know, deep down, I, you know she could have done it this year. And, but he was also like, she will be back. And I love that. Um, Uh I love when, when we can kind of spot that person to watch, that person that just feels like their performances are a little bit different, a little more impactful early so that when everyone else you know, starts to pay attention, we get to say, yo, like this has been happening. This is not overnight. You're a band snob. Yeah. Like, like, I've been going that band. I've been knowing, okay? We've been telling you about Nicole, okay? <laughs> I mean, another very different slice of life if you will, project is solos. solos.
0: Yeah, nice segue. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, solos is I, I play a character called Nira in the like not too distant, very possible future, who is kind of like all the characters in the series, buying her connection and trying to figure out how to create the life that they want or salvage something. She's pregnant in a cabin. And, she ends up going into labor. We kind of live with her through that process. And there's some like some like, twists and turns and a little sci-fi element there. I think, I hope the audience will enjoy it. But yeah, it's very, very different from, from Miss Juneteenth. But that's what you want, right? You don't want to like see the same thing over and over again.
1: No, and it is, I mean, it's weird. It is <laughs> weird. You know, I was trying to guess what was happening the whole time. And every time I thought, It was it was going where I thought it would. It would turn somewhere else. And I'm like, I love that. I think that's so
0: rare, especially someone like yourself, who's a sophisticated watcher, a sophisticated audience member. We've seen so much. And if you weren't already seeing so much in the last year, because we've been kind of cooped up, I feel like we've seen it all. That's really refreshing to hear. I hope, you know, it's a short ride. I think my episode, most of the episodes are about 25 to 30 minutes. I think my episode is yeah. about 24 minutes or something like that. So it's a short ride. Um, but yeah, if we get to mess with people's minds a little bit. And also there are some themes in here that if you watch without like listening and tuning into the current times and the potential times, there are some themes here, like some of the things that drew me to it is the conversation about women in our bodies and fertility and also Black mothers' mortality rate, right? That's a thing. That's a major concern. Huge. Yeah, you know, people going and starting families in drastically different ways based on their sexual orientation or gender and just like all the opportunities that are out there. So all of those things are kind of in there as well as just like protecting our families and what that means and just so many cool themes. And I was like, how did you manage? Stacey Osei-Krafor wrote this piece. It's like, how does she manage to put everything in this 20 something page, 20 something minute journey? And then Tiffany Johnson directed it. So when I sort of got the pitch for it, I knew after reading the script, it was a black female director, black female writer, and they were looking, you know, to cast me. And it's, it's kind of a no brainer. I was like, yeah, we were in the middle of COVID uh, we still are. I keep saying that like it's over. Like I don't know what you vaccine. do.
1: I know it's
0: weird. It's a it's weird. It's Like yeah. I know people are get. I know it's like there are vaccinations, but we're we're still in it. I keep saying like I can't do it. But yeah. it was in October of this past year of 2020, and you know I was I was a bit nervous about going back to work. I'm not gonna lie. So another one of the draws was you're that that for the most part they're solo pieces. You know there's not gonna be like five or six or seven cast mates or right. people on set. But that can be very vulnerable, you know, <laughs> especially because we shot them. In, I don't know. What, I don't know how much time everyone else got, but we got three days to shoot the no whole thing. No way. Really? Yeah, it was three days. So it was like, Wah! I hope people enjoy it. But no, we got it. <laughs> we got, we only got three days. Um, yeah. I love being in the porch. I love being in the country. I'm sorry. I know the podcast people can't see this, but I'm on the porch outside. It's beautiful. <laughs> I know. Like. I'm like such a hank I have on a sun hat and I'm like on a little chair, a little folding chair. She's like, no one's going to know I'm like leaning into the sun. Oh, I and-
1: love it. It's making me really happy to see all the self-care happening from the comfort
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Soak up the vitamin D. It's simple stuff. It's like breeze and sun. It doesn't have
0: to be like, you know, luxurious craziness. Just fresh air and
1: sun. That's right. It's so good. That's great. Yeah anyway. What you said about it being a little daunting, I mean, yeah, like, damn, three days, pretty much just you. I don't want to, like, spoil too much, but you said you're having a baby, so there may or may not be a baby happening, but it, it is just you, and I was reading some features with the creator who said that, like, this project kind of broke all of the rules of television, because of exactly that. Like it's short, it's one-off, it's kind of connected, it's kind of not. It doesn't follow a traditional trajectory and it's almost like a 30 minute monologue. It felt like theater. Yeah. um, In the sense that it was all you all the time, but there was such a gamut of emotion being conveyed in that Mm. short span of time, you know, and so many kind of twists and turns that I felt... Very present. Like I really felt like I was in that cabin right next to you, like a fly on the wall. Like we were experiencing whatever that experience was together. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like the character was mimicking my reaction, you know, to what was happening. I mean, was that how did you do that? That was kind of crazy.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I don't think that's me. I think that's a testament to Stacy's writing, to how she structured it, you know, so that it is a real roller coaster ride and then it's just kind of my job to um tiffany and i Tiffany, our director and i just kind of figured out the choreography of it and the thing about it that makes it theater is that you're in one location that's the other thing because sometimes there have been films and even shows where there's like one person especially like indie you know gritty 60s movies all that stuff but they're moving, they're going somewhere. <laughs> they're like, you know, you know, you see a drive or something like that. There's some scene changes. So I do wonder about how audiences will um handle being in the same place and looking at the same face, you know, because our attention spans are a little bit different. I think that's why they're shorter. But I think that the writing is so robust for that reason in all of the pieces to sort of keep us but also it's asking for the actors and for the audience to sort of be naked in a way, you know, like in order to communicate with you, and and in order to, I guess, keep your intention, it's very vulnerable to just be like, it's just me without a scene change, without, you know what I mean, without, without fanfare and like explosions or anything like that. It's just me being this particular character in one space in a few days, you know. So it's a great challenge and like experiment, and I'm just so honored that David Wild hit me up and they were like. Come join this cast and do this thing. And mind you, when I did it, I didn't know that it was going to be like Uzo and Morgan Freeman and Anthony Mackie and Anne Hathaway and you know Helen Mirren. I had no idea. I had no idea. So on the tail end of that, I was like, "What? Are you serious? Like this is this is the company we're keeping? Not that's not so shabby, you know." Some of them have had like decades long careers and still want those sort of challenges to do something completely different. So for me to get the opportunity to do something like that, and I kind of feel like I'm just, I mean, I've been doing it for a while, but I kind of
1: feel like I'm just getting started. It's a dream. I love to hear that. And I love to hear that you recognize, I mean, that was one thing that I recognized. Like I was like, yes, absolutely. Like that lineup, keeping that company, you being a name on that list of those caliber of actors let me know, like, okay, they know what they're doing. But it also made me wonder at what point does the artist realize that? You know, at what point, if ever, in an actor's career, do you feel like you made it or you did it or you got there?
0: I didn't say all that now. Now you couldn't work.
1: No, I know that. <laughs> but, but that's something I constantly oh, wonder. I, I mean, the truth is, Almost almost no one ever answers a question like that from me with an actual answer. They are always like, I don't know. Like, it, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, whether I'm talking to John Cheadle. Don't you just love Don Cheadle. Damn, he's good. I really do. Oh I could talk to him forever. That's- but it always seems like a moving target. So I wonder for you right now at this stage of your career, like, what is the target? What is the goal? What is the hope for, for next? Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm writing, I'm collaborating with other people. I'm focusing on working with other creatives where there's alignment and our intentions in the way that we want to create, but also with what they want to say. So I can be of service to it, if that makes sense. It's been interesting because you were saying like all these companies and people are sort of getting on the bandwagon without the actual intention Behind and truly at the core, in the marrow of the decision making, and then when you're having conversations, if you ask a question, if you, you know, they're looking at you like, just be happy to be here, and New the Girl. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, I see what this is. All right, this this it was nice meeting you. <laughs> I have a have a blessed day. And I know they're gonna get somebody in the part, and they're gonna get all kind of accolades for melanating, you know, fifteen percent of their cast or whatever. Behind the camera. But I think it's really important to, like, you know, support the people that are like really about it and make sure that we're being depicted in different ways and in different genres and different storylines. And that we're not saying the exact same lines we were saying in the 90s in every flashback struggle uh, situation. It's just some of the stories that we see and tell ourselves and tell the world start to become sort of like a reality in our minds. It's be- It's a very powerful medium. It's a very powerful medium. So, You know, I've been trying to be selective about that and intentional about that, even in the past, but more so now that I see there are a lot of people making things that don't really care about what they are serving us. And it doesn't always have to be deep either. I mean, I think we need to have more laughter. We need more romances. We need more fantasy. We need horror in different types of ways. We need things that that stretch our minds in ways that are different than whatever someone thinks is safe or what we've already done. So it's not just about it like, even though, you know, I've done a lot of projects with a little bit more gravity. I do think that making that sort of pivot and being intentional about what we're watching, and what we're giving people is, you know, and even with something like solos, it's like, there's a lot of heavy moments in the series across the board, but there's a hopeful element and then there's also just that like sci-fi mental expansion thing which I love just like it just makes you think and I love things that kind of do that so that that that's in alignment but yeah man I think sometimes people treat audiences not just black audiences but audiences like they're stupid and we're not and we're becoming like better and better audiences you know yeah because we're seeing so much there's so much content so much content
1: There is so much content and there are a lot more stories being told either by us or about us. And I find that the audience is more discerning. Black audience in particular is more discerning than ever. Like the more they get, the more they're like, I don't want it or give me more of that. I mean, gosh, just in the last month, the kinds of projects that I'm consuming for review is like that horror anthology, Them and underground railroad uh which is also on amazon right and solos and uh you know some Tulsa race massacre reminders because we're coming up on the hundred years and monster over at Netflix with Kelvin Harrison all resonant all impactful all important but also all very heavy and all together in a group at times maybe overwhelming for viewers who feel like shit man like the news is bad enough right now going outside is bad enough or my life is bad enough like I'm not here for that and I find myself often torn between like yeah that is really brutal and hard and I might not want to think about that right now but is it a good thing that we are telling the slave stories now we are telling the trauma stories now we are telling the police brutality stories now. You know, I can't fault these creators of color for wanting to take agency. Well, it's not just creators of color, though. It's it's sort of everybody. Right. But mm-hmm. I can't fault the audiences for, like, not being in the mood, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just think it's a matter of variety. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, it's variety. It's like, come on. We're, we're multifaceted, so it can't just be just the struggle, you know, or just the long-suffering. Yeah, yeah
1: you know know. we want all the things yeah
0: and it's actually one of those things like even as an actor it's interesting trying to get people to see your ability differently it's like if you've done that then that's all that you do right so that's not (laughs) wrong that's not how it works but I think that even happens with just like the cast just of being who we are it's like this is what they like this is what we identify about stories or there has been so much sorrow but the thing I have to understand is the people that we're from, you know, have weathered so much, but then created such beauty, such music, culture, resilience, laughter, joy, families, communities, you know, like really, it's just insane. It's, it's just so abundant. And I feel like we still are the only ones that really fully capture that and like really get that. I just want to see more of that part. Because we're always seeing the other part, which is sort of easier to identify. It has to be spoken. So I'm not saying that it doesn't need to be made, but we just need to balance it out. Now, now it's like, okay, we're doing some of that. Great. Now, where's the love story? Can we get a fantasy? <laughs> Can we get like? Did anybody see yesterday? Yesterday on, um, I think it's Netflix. Yeah, it was Netflix. So cute. I watched it with my nephews. It's corny. It's like a funny little family thing. But I was like, need this, need this with some melanated people. They don't even have to be black. They could be East Indian. They can be, you know, Latin America. They could be, I'm just like, come on, y'all. We gotta, we need some of that. Yeah. Everyone needs some of that, you know, right. some rumbunctious black kids, like speaking their minds and talking about their future. How, how inspiring, how wonderful. All they're going to see is like these really heavy, you know, and I'm like, geez, <laughs> And I'm in some heavy stuff. So this is also this is a conversation I have with myself. So yeah. if anyone hears this, don't be like, what's she talking about? She exactly. I'm I'm looking at myself. I'm pointing at me too. I'm a part of this. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. We all are, really. Cause at the same time, like what projects am I choosing to write about? The Underground Railroad and them and you know, Lovecraft and all of those They're things. also really beautiful.
0: So it's yeah. It's just about the variety. It's just about the variety, you know, just something for, anyway, sorry, I'm probably throwing you off. No, this is fun.
1: It's just girl talk. Did you see We Can Be Heroes with your nephews? On I did see that. Oh my gosh, look it up. It is so cute. Kids, superhero, movie, all okay, the colors, okay. all the races, this really is. fun. Yeah, my kids love it. What do you watch? Like, what were you watching during quarantine when you had more time on your hands? Like, what'd you get into <sighs>
0: I watched I May Destroy You. I watched Unorthodox. I watched Messiah. I watched lots of Criterion Collection movies. Uh, Andre Tarkovsky, Fellini.
1: Okay, smarty. (laughs) All these
0: (laughs) whole things. That's what I was watching. (laughs) You were watching 90 Day Fiance? I I watched Chopped as well and Top Chef and I love the interior design shows I don't watch a lot of them but like any sort of reality show where the people have a skill and they're showcasing their skills so I think there was a show like Best in Fashion with Heidi Klum and yeah. Tim Gunn I love that kind of stuff because you really see craftsmen making their stuff and then somebody wins like a million dollars at the end and so just like oh dreams come true and I'm, I'm crying they're crying we're all crying beautiful <laughs> So like, yeah, as, as far as like the more simple stuff, Chopped, I would say I, I watch that almost every other day, if not every day. But I love cooking shows because I get ideas I like to cook. So yeah.
1: Did you see like the Chopped 420 one? They just did it last month. It's like, oh, weed food. <laughs> I actually, that's probably a one episode I did
0: not see. That was a busy day. Oh my 420 God. 420 was a busy day. I can't remember what I was doing. <laughs>
1: 420 was a packed day. It was a packed day for me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but no, I didn't get to watch that one. I'll watch it though.
1: I love that. You know, I do think that this diversity and inclusion trend is hitting like the food entertainment space in a way that I like because I'm seeing way more African food represented, whether it's on shows that have been here, like Top Chef. Yeah,
0: I a a whole episode
1: with African food. And I was like, they have
0: never, and in general, okay, I don't want to say that because I do love the show, but in general, I love they kind of, you know, they, they've, the, the palate is sometimes different with people from the diaspora. So like when the food is a little different, they don't take that into, into consideration. So I love that with this one, they did. And I was like, oh, we're getting some cassava. We're getting some yes. like, yes, all of that. All of that.
1: Yes. And Netflix is doing this thing called High on the Hog, which is about Africa's foods influence on American foods. It's coming out next oh, month. Wow. It's really cool. And it's kind of like, wow, I don't know. The food of my people, like I actually don't. I could judge a Thai food chef blending the sushi with the Mexican food with the best of them, but I have no knowledge really of any of these things. And it's so nice to finally like see that on TV. Mm. What was that called again? I want to make sure.
0: It's called High on the Hog. High on the Hog. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Last question for you is: I wanted to know just in you know the past year or so, you know, when scripts are coming across your desk, when you're talking to your agent, when you're working with or wanting to work with other writers and creators, are you finding more opportunities, more things coming from women of color, particularly? Like, is it perceivable to you yet just in volume of stuff created by Black women? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And men, you know, Um, but yes, to, to answer your specific question, Absolutely. It's definitely getting better. It is really inspiring. It's inspiring. Like for example, Radha. Oh my gosh. Just, she's been a stunning, incredible writer. I've known her for years. We're not like close or anything, but I've just known her for years and admired her work and seen, you know, plays and readings and all those sort of things. Then seeing her create it for herself, you know, and take control of that storytelling. And so many people are doing that for the very reason that we kind of discussed earlier is like they're, there are people that might tell the story, but it's because I'm like, okay, I'm going to dibble and dabble in this, but I'm not really invested. That investment, or even working with someone like Channing, it's like, it's about her community, her people, and she's going to help me to navigate it. It's essential. It's essential. And then it creates that variety. Because I think when things are very specific, they're actually more universal and they touch you a little bit more. And it just, it just has that ring of truth to it, as opposed to, sort of general like you know sometimes you know biopics I'm like it's so general you know you just look at an old picture of somebody you just feel it you can feel all the stuff and then when you see these movies sometimes it's like oh there's something there's something missing I wonder if they so just the sort of investment but it's very difficult this medium as well all the people it's a it's a very robust uh, process, all the money and the crew and this and that, and that. So it's a
1: miracle when something is actually really, really good, I think. I agree with all of that. Nicole, thanks so much for being so generous with your time today and for your candor and obviously for your work. I am truly such a big fan. Thank you.
0: I hope my answers weren't so nerdy. This is who I actually am,
1: y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to checking this out. So we're halfway through May, halfway through Mental Health Awareness Month, getting close to a pretty sad anniversary. I'm talking about the centennial anniversary, 100 years since the Tulsa Race Massacre. And there are some really insightful projects coming out about that. Over at the Grio, we'll be providing you with tons of information commemorating that devastating event in our history. And, of course, we want you to continue to consume projects that highlight our history. But we also want you to take care of your own mental health as you do that and as you just continue to navigate life here in the U.S. in 2021. This week, we found a bunch of really great resources for people of color who are seeking therapy. If you're looking for a therapist who is Black, if you're looking for mental health resources as a Black person, there are a lot of places that you can go to get an experience that will align with your own journey. And so you can find someone that you feel like relates to your experience and can really help you make the progress that you want to make. I'm going to throw a long list of resources up on the acting up page over at the But right now if you want to take notes or, you know, make a mental note of the time of this podcast where I'm giving you some resources. It's right now. A few that I think you should really explore if you're looking for help or guidance in the mental health space are therapy for black girls, therapy for black men, clinicians of color. Better Help, Melanin and Mental Health, Open Path Collective, and Melanin Therapy. Jump on Google, do a little research, find yourself a therapist that you will actually use, that you will actually open up to and have a genuine chance of success with. Thank you for listening to Acting Up. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcasts at thegrio.com. Follow us on Instagram at actingup.pod. Acting Up is brought to you by The Grio and executive produced by Courtney Wills and produced by Cameron Blackwell.